First Metrosec is providing this podcast as a general market commentary. Reference to any specific security, product, or entity do not constitute as an offer or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments or to participate in any particular trading strategy. The statements, comments, views, or opinions expressed by the hosts are subject to change without notice and First Metrosec is under no obligation to update, amend, change, or correct any of the statements, comments, views, or opinions expressed. The statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view of First Metrosec. First Metrosec disclaims any liability arising from reliance on or reference to any information obtained in this podcast. Podcast Network Asia. You are listening to First Metro Securities Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast, where we feature timely and relevant discussions on the Philippine stock market and the economy in the hope of providing you investing and trading guidance. Here's your host, Royce Aguilar, from the Research Department at First MetroSec. Okay, so hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of uh, First Metro Securities Podcast. So we have a special guest here today. But before we introduce our special guest, actually we have a couple of guests here today. Let me introduce first our topic. So actually we will discuss uh, one of our uh, partners' uh, equities market outlook for the second half of the year. right? But first, let me discuss what happened in the first half for the PSEI. So actually, as of end first half, the PSEI is down by uh, 3.3%. It ended at 6.9 level. Actually, today is uh, this recording is uh, July 21. We're now at 6,400 levels. But before we discuss what happened at least for the past three weeks, let me discuss first what happened the first half of the year. So the story is the PSEI began the year on a positive note. It even hit as high as 7,400, um, getting a boost from improving trade figures, the signing of Congress approved bills, uh, extending the validity of the 2020 national budget, and the availability of funds under the Bayanian 2 Act. The PSCI also tracked the optimism in the global markets as they cheered the democratic sweep in the U.S. run of elections in Georgia, so that the, the expectation there was a smoother path in implementing U.S. government policies. Another is um, the PSI high, uh, hit as high as 7,400 because of optimism on the reopening prospects. But that rally quickly faded. As early as Feb, there was this issue regarding the retail investor activity in the U.S. If you recall the Reddit traders, that, so that sounded the alarm bells among regulators, institutional investors, even hedge fund managers. There's also this, the result of the full-year GDP growth in the country. There's also a confirmation of this local UK COVID-19 variant transmission. So that contributed to the bearish investor sentiment as early as Feb. So the decline in the market resumed until May, right? From March, there was already the renewed lockdown restrictions. And then in May, the PSA dropped to as low as 6,100 level due to the selling pressures from the lower than expected first quarter GDP figures. And then there's also this country level downweight in the MSCI semi-annual rebalancing. So after that drop to 6,100, that's where, you know, bargain hunters really came into the market and even resulted to the market rallying to a size 7,000. So there were several reasons. Investors treat the package of the 401 billion billion three. There's also improving manufacturing numbers, um, stabilizing manufacturing numbers. And then despite, you know, the headline inflation number being 
mid 4%. That was that was actually investors actually had a muted reaction to that one because it was the actual results came in lower than expected, came in lower than the Bloomberg expectations. Besides that, uh, the market rallied due to expectations of this higher paced vaccine rollout after the government disclosed that it expects 38 million vaccine doses to arrive in the country from June to August. And then the market also uh, rallied because of the supply agreement with Pfizer, specifically at 40 million starting August. So to conclude, the first half of the year, there was a slight correction, right? As some members of the U.S. Federal Open Market Committee, so that's uh, in the U.S. related to the central bank, what happened was they brought forward the rate hike timelines from 2024 to 2023. So that question now regard, in regards to the valuations now of the equities uh, market, right? So that's basically what happened in the first half of the year. So now this is uh, give me the opportunity to introduce now our guests. Right, so we have uh, a couple of guests, but first one we I would like to introduce first one, the, our first guest from Sun Life. So he is the chief investments officer of Sun Life of Canada, Philippines. So he is the chief investment officer. So as the CIO, he handles the formulation and implementation of portfolio strategies for the life insurance, variable universal life, so that's VOL, and various mutual funds managed under Sun Life of Canada, Philippines, and its various subsidiaries. He has over 23 years of solid and distinguished portfolio management experience gained from stints in various investment and financial services companies, namely Citicorp Financial Services and Insurance Brokerage, Phil Equity, ING Investment Management, and BPI Asset Management prior to joining Sun Life. So our guests also graduated from the Ateneo de Manila University with a Bachelor Science Degree in Management. So welcome to the podcast, Mike Enriquez, the Chief Investments Officer of Sun Life of Canada. So hello, sir. Yeah, hi. Thanks, Royce. Thanks for having me in your podcast. All right. So we, uh, of course, later, um, when, once we, we also, we will also discuss some of, you know, uh, Sun Life Asset Management's uh, products. We also have here Miss Angel Cruz. So later we will, uh, we will also hear from her regarding the products of Slamsey. But first, let's talk to Mike. What is Slamsey? So what is Sun Life Asset Management's year end outlook? What catalyst do you see? What risk do you see? So go ahead. Okay. Um, thanks, Rice. For the equity market, I think we're one of the more bullish in the industry in terms of how we see the equity market rebounding this year. I know there's a lot of volatility that we have been experiencing, as you well have pointed out in your first half summary. I think we will continue to expect that volatility, but I think the direction continues to be a market recovery for us. And our outlook in fact, for the PSEI for year end is about 7,650. So that exact. It, this is really driven by a rebound in earnings across all the listed firms. We're looking at an average of about 45% earnings growth across the listed companies that comprise the PSEI. So I think that is something quite on the bullish side, but we are quite confident that we will be able to achieve at least a level that's closer to that. In terms of risks, definitely there continues to be a lot of risks and uncertainty as we have been seeing in the market currently. The biggest one would be the, the Delta variant that has been hounding and scaring investors um, and as well as 
hampering the potential recovery or smooth recovery of the economy. And we haven't really experienced that yet here in the Philippines. Luckily, the government continues to be vigilant in terms of trying to control that. But we have seen that Delta variant ravaged some other countries like India. Currently, Indonesia is now being ravaged by that. Previously, Indonesia was able to control the spread of the COVID-19 virus. But right now, they seem to be the epicenter in Asia. So definitely a lot of things that continue to hound and prevent the economy from reopening. But here in the Philippines, I think the government is doing the right thing. We are, I think, the, the longest country in lockdown. That's right. You're right. Yeah. So a lot of things on, on that, on the risk, definitely it's COVID and the Delta variant and probably another variant. But in terms of tailwinds, I think there are also a lot of tailwinds that can offset the Delta variant. And one is the rebound of earnings. And I think for the market to be able to regain back its lost ground, we need funds to flow back in. And I'm speaking of foreign funds. And the only way for foreign funds to start coming in is to have strong fundamentals for the economy. And hopefully by the second half of this year, as we see better control of COVID-19, as well as more vaccines to come in to our shores and more people being vaccinated, definitely that can help uh, alleviate some of the fears help alleviate the fears of consumers uh, from spending and going out. And we have been seeing, I mean, I've been going to the malls and checking out. It seems to be quite normal now. Whether it's a bit scary, but at the same time, you'd see some some positive sentiment and some um, at least a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, where people are starting to regain back normalcy, at least some sense of normalcy in their lives. Right. So the, you're right. We're actually already seeing uh, what we call, you know, pent up demand, right? In mm. regards to in regards to the Delta variant, and just to just to add in terms of the announcement, so this is July 21. We're recording on July 21, and according to Malacanang, they're they're likely to they're likely will reimpose stricter restrictions due to the Delta variant. And if you ask me, that's quite of that. Well, that may imp, that well that may already been priced in by the market. If you ask me, that's kind of a short term pain, long term gain to you know to already stop the Delta variant from spreading, just like what happened in Indonesia, India, Malaysia, Thailand, right? So moving on to our next question, when you take a look at the peak of the lockdown last March. 2020, April 2020, and observing the economic activities, it's least to say there were definite improvements, right? Just like what you mentioned and how the economy is operating. But I would also like to reiterate that we there are still risks, such as the Delta variant. Now, how does your actively managed fund, the Philippine Equity Fund, position in terms of allocating between the opening winners and COVID-19 plays? Has the fund started to accumulate on the opening winners now. So there. Okay, yeah, thanks, Royce. And I think that's a very good question that you pointed out between passive and active fund strategies currently. And we all know that over the last few years, passive strategies have gained a lot of traction and popularity. But I think this year, and even starting from last year, the actively managed funds have been outperforming 
the the index for the for the sole reason that the actively managed strategies have been able to shy away from some of the companies that we think or the PSEI index members that we think will not benefit immediately from the recovery story or will be heavily impacted by this continued or prolonged lockdown of the economy. So for us, our active bets remain to be positioned towards a reopening story for the economy. Some of the cyclical names and sectors we have already started to accumulate. I think consumer is one, uh, as what you mentioned, pent-up demand. We think that there's a lot of money and spending that will happen soon. And I'm not just talking about the upper class. Even the the lower middle income will definitely have some pent-up demand. And this is in spite of the fact that we have seen a lot of workers being displaced, a lot of OFWs being displaced. But right now, we've seen OFW remittances continue to gain contrary to expectations of government. So there's really spending power that is waiting to be unleashed. Uh, The other one is we're looking at the gaming sector. Uh, I think that's something that even the president and the government just reversed their decision to, in fact, allow Pogos to go back. And this is in recognition of the fact that they would need more taxes. As the economy continues to decline, definitely the the government will expect lower taxation, but they have to compensate it from somewhere else. So the more logical one and the more, I think, resilient one would be gaming, which will definitely help a lot in the recovery story and fund for some expenses for COVID-19. The other one is the transport sector. I think this is something that we have been seeing and be able to participate in the global recovery story. Some of the transport related names um, dealing with uh, trade definitely has benefited a lot in the reopening story that has happened in developed markets. So definitely we have been rebalancing the portfolio as early as last year. Although we continue to hold some defensive names like telcos, as we still recognize that the telco space will continue to play a very vital role as the work from home arrangement will continue to be prolonged. Right. Okay. So thank you, thank you for that. So just to just to emphasize on or repeat on what on Mike said regarding uh, Sun Life, at, at least on how they're looking at the opening winners there. So they're focusing on consumer gaming and transport, right? So we will actually discuss right. that further in the next mm-hmm. question in regards to their top sector picks. But I would like to go back now to the, the market, right? So PSCI is the worst market in terms of performance in the ASEAN, right? And we know that we need foreign investors to come in for PSI sustainable recovery. So what do you think are the catalysts for foreign flows to return? I think, Royce, first I need to correct you. I think we're not the worst in ASEAN. We're the worst in the world. Right. <laughs> in terms of performance here to date. And if you add uh, the dollar, if you add the weakness of the peso, that would even worsen it. Um, so a lot of things, unfortunately, have contributed to the decline in the equity market recently. And I, I think it was just, I think, two weeks since um, 
we were all thinking that the market is on its way to recovery. But then again, the heightened issue on the Delta variant trying to threaten again the recovery story of the Philippines and seeing what happened in Indonesia has spooked a lot of investors. But nevertheless, I think we need to consider the fundamentals. And I think as what we pointed out a while ago, we need foreign funds to go back in the market. And in order for them to go back into the market, first is they need to consider ASEAN as a whole. What is happening in ASEAN? Because these foreign investors don't just pick countries, individual countries in Asia. They, they usually buy as a basket, ASEAN basket or Asian baskets. But unfortunately, it's a developed markets that's led the recovery. And right now, the ASEAN markets, we've been seeing a lot of threats on the Delta variant. And it is really just the handling of some of the Asian markets, uh, the Asian economies like Indonesia, Thailand, and controlling the spread of this virus or the Delta variant. That's why foreigners continue to shy away from Asia in general. But right. we have been seeing a lot of contrarians already because as the market continues to go down, and we all know that India came out of and was able to control the Delta variant, at least uh, at a certain point in time, they were able to control it. There were a lot of lessons learned from the experience in India. There are a lot of lessons learned in the experience of Indonesia, which the Philippines can definitely adopt. And I think given that there are already some fund managers looking at the value emerging in Asia. I've been seeing an overweight call already on Indonesia by one foreign bank. And that was a bit strange because currently Indonesia is the epicenter. But why are they calling an overweight? Because again, value is emerging. Right. And we all think that with the continued inoculation in progress across Indonesia, and even here in the Philippines, we've been getting a stockpile of vaccines already. Right. There will come a point in time when the government will be able to say that they've achieved population protection. I'm using population protection because I think it would be harder to achieve herd immunity, at least in the NCR plus area. So with that, and we all know that the NCR plus comprises the a big portion of the economy of the Philippines. So once they see the Philippines starting to recover, and that would change the sentiment. And that would address probably funds flow. And we have been seeing trickles of foreign funds starting to come in. Although I think for those who wanted to exit, they've exited a long time ago. Right. So there's really not much left for a big drop for the market driven by foreign funds to exit because they've exited already. It's now just the locals come um, trying to just wait on the sidelines for better levels to come in. All of the local institutions and even retail have recognized the value that has emerged and potential for a recovery story for the country, including us. That's why we continue to hold on to our 7650 index target. I think it's supported not by speculation, but more so by fundamentals. So once we see probably in the near term, the second quarter earnings results would definitely um, make things hopefully more positive in the short term to lure 
some foreign investors back in Asia and in the Philippines. We are of the same view in regards to, you know, looking at emerging markets as value. Because, for example, when I when I watch Bloomberg sometimes, and they always ask, they always ask, "Are you overweight in the U.S.?" And then, what's your what's your call on the other region? And they're saying that the U.S. keeps on reaching all time high. That's not. It can't be called value anymore. So that they're looking at other region, they're looking at Europe. They're even they're also looking at emerging markets like such as those in the in Southeast Asia. So yeah, we also have the same view in regards to the PSAIs uh, that there's huge upside. So now going back, now let's discuss. You mentioned earlier consumer, transport, and gaming. So do you have any other sector picks? And if if you could mention specific names under those sectors that you like. Okay, sure. Um, we we like particularly ICTSI. I think that's one proxy for global recovery. Not only in the Philippines, but since they are in the transport business, uh, port destination ports and ports. That definitely, as the reflection story continues in developed markets, you can see ICTSI benefiting from that. Gaming Bloomberry is something that we are uh, very keen on looking at. Some of the consumer names, we're looking more on the, the, the non-discretionary names such as Pure Gold, Wilcon. Uh, we are not keen on the manufacturers like URC um, because the depreciation of the peso might hamper and might sub, sub, put some cost pressures, which normally they could not pass on directly to consumers. But nevertheless, they can definitely still benefit from uh, a pent-up demand for for these. But we favor more the the groceries, the, the well-gone type uh, of consumers. In terms of the other, the secondary sector would be telco, particularly Converge. I think that's something we have been eyeing as opposed to the incumbents of Globe and PLDP. I think Converge has been able to position itself to take advantage of the work from home. And they were, not only that, they've been able to address and roll out faster the expansion program, which definitely benefited the company. Right. Okay, so actually, just to just to reiterate, right, so you see, Mike mentioned um, ICTSI, Bloom, uh, Converge, some non-discretionary like Pure Gold, Wilcon, right? And just to highlight those, uh, for example, ICT, SI, Wilcon, Converge. If you're listening this, if you're listening to this and you're updated in the market, you recall that the market has dropped. The market has dropped. But if you take a look at ICT, Converge, Wilcon, those are actually the more resilient names, right? Trading near their uh, near their all-time highs. For example, ICT is still up by 27% year-to-date. Converge is still up by 58% year-to-date. Right. So that being said, so we're actually uh, we're actually also the same. Uh, just to mention that we also we also like you know some consumer non discretionary um, names as well. Right. Like um, like the stocks uh, Mike mentioned. So now I would like to specify now regarding somewhat of a you know trending asset at least here in the Philippines. So it is worth taking note that REITs, real estate investment trusts are now another option for investors to put money at. So we have 
We already have Ayala Land. We already have Double Dragon. Already listed. We have Phil Invest Land to list sometime this month of July. And then we have uh, Mega World, Emrit, and then RLC Reit planning to conduct an IPO sometime this year. Even Jollibee partnered with Double Dragon for an industrial beat. So my question now is: Do you think it's advisable to invest in REITs now, or should they manage expectation given the threat of rising interest rates? So, well, you know, rise REITs have become an alternative asset class in general. And given the experience of investors last year on the volatility of the market, it would be good to diversify and look at other asset classes. I mean, I look at REITs as an, a, an entirely different asset class from common stock. It behaves like a stock, but it pays dividends. In terms of its volatility, it is much less. This is really something that investors should definitely look at and consider in, in adding to their portfolios. In terms of the dividend yield, this is something that continues to pay attractive yields considering where government bond rates are at the moment. And at the same time, we all would like to have a piece of investment in real estate, whether residential or office, but more often than not, we don't have any outlets more so to have any participation or direct participation in rental income, especially in the office sector. And REITs will definitely allow us to be able to enter and have a direct participation in having a rental yield plus growth. So we definitely welcome more of these real estate investment trusts to list. Um, Fly, for example, the Fair Invest REIT, it's all office spaces that they will in inject in that new REIT. And more than that, all the office spaces are PESA accredited. And you all know that here in, the, in Metro Manila right now, there's really a scarcity of PESA accredited office spaces. And also, we have been seeing a demand again, a resurgence of demand in BPO office spaces, whether expansion due to probably social distancing or more of expanding their services because a lot of the other countries are continuously outsourcing their operations to save up on costs. So definitely that's something that we are looking at. And in terms of how you look at it compared to a government bond, um, right now there has been a lot of talks on a reflation trade and um, real interest rates being negative given the fact that interest rates uh, the 10-year bond continues to trade below our inflation. But given the continued threat of this Delta variant and a prolonged recovery story, we don't see interest rates to rise anytime soon. Or if ever, there will be some marginal increases in interest rates, but it's still not enough to dislodge the attractiveness of REITs. So... I think that we've seen that in the U.S. I think uh, there's been some threats on inflation in the U.S., the reflation story, and the Fed threatening to increase and taper their asset purchases and threatening to increase 10-year treasury rates. But what happened was the reverse. In fact, because of uh, investors' belief that the recovery might 
be prolonged. Yeah. The Fed might also delay its uh, tapering efforts or the bond buying uh, program of the U.S. will continue to be to stay and increasing rates might be further delayed. So that is really in helping the U.S. ensure that the economic recovery will start or will continue to be stronger. And in, in talking about interest rates, I've been discussing it with the team recently. Since 2008, I think this is the only time when the Fed is actually talking about increasing rates anytime soon. So, But anytime soon, is we're talking about 2023. So I think rates will continue to play a very vital role in a client's portfolio considering that it offers an attractive yield and it is less volatile than your common equity. All right. So thank you. Thank you for that one. So indeed, REITs are a good uh, alternative asset. So we have a lot more REITs that uh, will get listed in the IP, get listed in the exchange this year. So now we talked about currency a bit, right? So I would like to ask a question about that. So it's noteworthy that the US dollar has strengthened in the past several weeks. So this, this started when, you know, the, the June central bank meeting in the US confirmed that the Fed is moving to, towards at least planning to, the, the, it's a good phrase that they plan to talk about, talking about tapering, um, as early as this year. And besides just this dollar strength, there's also this weakness in Philippine peso attributable to the spike in imports and oil prices. So I think uh, the basic question here is, do you think the USD PHP trading within 49 to 50, even touched 51 um, yesterday, July 20? So do you think that's sustainable? And how can equity investors position, given this scenario, should they be, should they position significantly? Should they take that? Should they take the USD PHP movement considerably or okay. First is the way we look at the, the the dollar peso rate currently would be we've been expecting that the peso should depreciate against the US dollar as the Philippine economy starts to reopen. Um, for obvious reasons, as you well have pointed, more imports previous last year it has touched closer to the forty seven fifty because nobody demands dollars locally. Even corporates don't have any importation needs. They don't even have to pay for anything, um, no expansion programs. But we all expect that um, in our in-house forecast, we expect the peso to average about 50 for this year. And really, it's re- more a function of the reopening story of the economy as we get more importation to be able to jumpstart the economy. But over the past two weeks, we didn't expect the depreciation to be fast-tracked. Um, this was really a combination of several factors. One would be the, the talks on U.S. increasing interest rates sooner than later. The other one was the higher oil prices because the OPEC plus countries failed to have an immediate understanding on increasing their production. So that has made oil prices spike momentarily, but Luckily, they were able to come up with a compromise to increase their production, thereby oil prices started to come down as well as the the dollar started to come down as well. And the talks in the U.S. on a, an inflation issue was sidelined. That's why the dollar started to weaken slightly as well. So those are some of the factors that contributed to the abrupt 
depreciation of the dollar peso rate. For you as an investor, first is for the companies that are less in the exchange. Obviously, some of the importers would be hit. The ones who Im- the import costs would be higher. Um, that's why I think we don't like the manufacturers and the consumer manufacturers like the URCs because they might be impacted and there, there might be some cost pressures. So just for in choosing stocks in the exchange, just look for companies that are that don't have much dollar debts and that don't rely heavily on imports, which might hamper their their um, cost of goods, which might bring down their income. In terms of the Philippines being attractive to foreign investors, especially as, as we all know that there has been a lot who have sold already. And right now, for those who would want to enter, the Philippines seems to be very cheap. Not only because of valuation, but based on the currency. Um, because the dollar becomes stronger now and the peso is weak. So they would be buy, they would, when they exchange their dollars into peso, they would get more pesos. And they would be able to deploy that in the equity market. So definitely there are a lot of pros and cons in terms of the exchange rate depreciating. But Different levels of uh, how you should uh, view this as a foreign investor again should be better for you and more attractive for you. For as a local investor, definitely you just choose some of the the companies in the exchange that are not really heavily reliant on imports and don't have dollar costs. And lastly, I think it would always be good as an investor to diversify into dollar-denominated assets. Although the peso was depreciated already, I think there's still a lot of um, value for, for you to diversify your portfolio into another currency, particularly uh, the dollar. Um, there has been a lot of dollar-denominated products out there available, and we've seen how foreign or offshore markets, U.S. markets have had a difference in performance last year compared to Asian markets, especially the Philippines. The U.S., as what Royce mentioned a while ago, continues to trade all-time high levels. In spite of that Delta variant being the prevalent variant in, in their country, but there seems to be a disregard of, for that, and it's really more fundamental. So there's still that value for you as an investor to also look at dollar-denominated investments. Right. Okay. So thank you for that one. So I think there are a lot of key takeaways regarding Mike's answer, regarding av- avoiding uh, companies with a huge dollar debt, but also the, the, this is also opportunity to diversify to dollar-denominated assets. So in terms of in regards to diversification, actually, this is one of our um, last question already. I would like to uh, bring in Miss Angel here, but before I, I introduce her, let me ask the question first. So, Sun Life Asset Management, so SLAMC, has recently removed uh, the 180-day holding period of your Sun Life Prosperity Philippine Stock Index Fund and Philippine Equity Fund in FundSmart. So, so that makes uh, these investment outlets more attractive to our clients. That definitely. So, at this current market level, would you would you recommend investors who take advantage of this and take profit once the market rises or will this remain as long uh, should they you know uh, hold us and remain as long-term investors so if long-term how should a how long 
should a client remain invested to experience a full market cycle and maximize returns? So actually, this is a question for uh, for Mike and even Angel can elaborate on the product itself. But before Mike answers, Mike and Angel answers, let me introduce Angel first. So we have here Miss Angel Cruz. You know, she is currently the manager of Bank and Alternative Distribution Channel of Slamsey. So she and uh, her team oversees the distribution of Slamsey funds through broker partners, including First Metrosec. So let me let me repeat the question. So at this current market level, would you recommend investors to take advantage of this removal of 100-day, 80-day holding period and take profit once the market rises or should they continue to hold uh, given that you're long-term investors? And if they're long-term, how should how long should a client remain invest, invested to experience a full market cycle? Okay. Um, so, well, the release of that lock-in period will definitely add more flexibility for an investor. We all definitely promote long-term investing, but given the volatility, admittedly, there are opportunities for you to even funds. We highly discourage it, but if there are opportunities for the market to move up 5 6% over a month, uh, we definitely welcome investors to realize some gains and at least be able to experience gaining from the equity market rather than just holding on long-term or uh, sell a portion of their investments uh, just to be able to experience some, some gains in the market. It's really just relaxing that add more flexibility for investors but definitely there's a lot of value for you especially now to to hold on and accumulate at these levels in the market where it's giving us again another opportunity um we all thought that the seven thousand level will break but now this uh, for those who are left behind and we're trying to chase you're given again some opportunity to pick your levels and start accumulating. And um, we all know, um, coming from how the developed markets have recovered, hopefully with more vaccines and um, rolling out and relaxation of government in terms of the quarantine measures continue to progress. And hopefully we can see better equity markets because I think for one, admittedly, the equity market is undervalued. The question is, okay, it's undervalued, but when will it recover? So I think that's a question that all of us would could not answer in the short term. It would take probably uh, a few years, hopefully less, for, for us to be able to realize that our position is that we will see some bouts of recovery towards the latter part of this year, but that is just a start. Because remember, we're still in quarantine. We still don't have that population protection and more on the herd immunity, but probably next year, first quarter, second quarter next year. So talking about timing, probably in one year period, if government is very diligent in controlling the Delta variant from spreading, we can see higher levels of the PSEI from where it is at the moment. Okay. Yeah. And maybe to add to that, you know, um, the 180 days holding period was removed to give flexibility to our clients, uh, to allow them to redeem anytime they would need the money or they would, would they want to realize some gains. But actually, in reality, you know, based on our data, 
our clients, even our clients from broker partners such as First Metro, they stayed for more than three years in a fund. So it goes to show that it's not really the behavior of Filipino investors to go in and out of the market, but more of a psychological benefit for the clients that, you know, uh, nothing is holding their money and they can liquidate it anytime. All right. So thank you. Uh, thank you, for Mike and Angel, for that one. So actually, let me describe a bit. Let me describe a bit the details of this Sun Life Prosperity Philippine Stock Index Fund. So it's actually a passively managed fund that tracks the performance of the PSEI. So the, this fund is for investors who like to have an exposure to the country's top 30 companies. So the, the Sun Life Prosperity Philippine Equity Fund is an actively managed fund. This is another fund, right? So this aims now to generate long-term capital appreciation through investments in high-quality securities diversified across sectors and issue size. So this fund is for investors with long-term investment horizon and who are willing to take risk for possible higher returns. So just to repeat, so we have the Sun Life Prosperity Philippine Stock Index Fund. So that's the passively managed fund. And then we have the Sun Life Prosperity Philippine Equity Fund. So that's the actively managed fund. The interesting thing here is the minimum initial investment for, for these funds is only 1,000 pesos. So with your 1,000 pesos, your investment is already diversified in the securities listed in the PSEI. So both funds, just to reiterate, both funds have no required holding period. So this means that you can redeem your shares from the funds anytime. So again, through our uh, through our platform, there's FundSmart where you can take a look at some of Sun Life's funds, right? So that that's basically uh, details. Just to elaborate on which funds, Sun, which uh, Sun Life Prosperity funds are yung walang holding period, right? So now, basically, we are now in the conclusion part of our podcast. So I would like to give another opportunity for Mike and Angel to to give their last statement uh, for our listeners, for our investors out there. So go ahead. Okay, thanks, Royce. So for me, I, I think this has been a very good conversation. We definitely have a lot of opportunity currently. The market is undervalued. Interest rates continue to stay uh, low. But we have to remember that financial markets will continue to be very volatile down the road. We're just talking about the how this Delta variant and how the COVID-19 would continue to unfold. Hopefully things will get better. I think right now it's all about vaccination levels in terms of supply and hesitancy rate. Because if there's supply, but if they don't like to be vaccinated, that would be a different story. But nevertheless, right now poses a very good opportunity for investors to start coming in. Um, come in in triples. Don't come in in a big way because, uh, again, financial markets are, will continue to be volatile down the road. The equity market, I think, is the best asset class at the moment, given where interest rates are. I think there's a good reason for you to take on some risk. I mean, if, of course, as long as you can sleep at night, so to speak, and not really worry about the, the short-term volatility. We all think about the short-term as noise. We think that this will continue to slowly recover as the economy starts to recover. And we all know that the government is all focused to help this economy recover. And with that, I think 
we hopefully invite our investors to take a look at some of the funds out there. Not only Stamsy funds, um, but other investment outlets. As long as you take this opportunity to start investing. All right. So, Miss Angel, any last statement for investors out there? For those who are who may be interested in looking at Sun Life's funds. Yes, thank you, Royce, and thank you again no, for inviting the Slamsy team to, to, to today's episode of their podcast. Again, we encourage our clients to look at the different Sun Life funds available through First Metro or the Fund Smart. Currently, we have a total of 11 funds. We have six peso funds and we have five dollar funds. And I think no, all our funds, we complete the risk spectrum of products we know from the very conservative funds to very aggressive funds. So all these uh, are available in Fund Smart. And I also want to take this opportunity, Royce, to tell our listeners to watch out now because very soon we will add another equity fund in Fund Smart. So Great. this will be a, a peso equity laced fund. Sorry, yes, peso equity laced fund, but this will be a different, the underlying will be different, no? So to the listeners, I hope you will watch out for this fund. And again, let me just reiterate, you only need a thousand pesos to start investing in Sun Life Peso funds. And for the dollar funds, you just need to have $500. All right. So thank you again, Mike Enriquez, Angel Cruz, our partners from Sun Life. So this is, again, this concludes another episode of our podcast. I hope you guys learned a lot from our guests today in terms of their outlook, in terms of which assets to diversify on, in terms of uh, what's the environment right now in terms of the market, right? So again, this has been Roy Aguilar, Equity Research Analyst from First Matter Securities. In First Matter Securities, it's always hashtag your future first. So thank you and see you again. Thanks for listening to First Metro Securities Philippine Stock Market Weekly Podcast. Don't forget to follow us to get first dibs on our new episodes. For more up-to-date market news and info, exclusive content, and the opportunity to connect with your fellow Filipino investors and traders, join facebook.com slash groups slash First Metro Sec and be part of the First Metro Sec family. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>